Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. I'm so pleased to have my colleague, Carol Jorgensen Sheets, with me this morning. Carol, the coach, is a columnist, a radio talk show host, a television and media expert, and author of the bestseller, Help Her Heal, an empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. She's a certified sex addiction therapist and certified clinical partner specialist. Carol trains clinicians and coaches internationally on how to help partners work through sexual betrayal, and she's now going to be up close and personal with our group to promote healing from partner betrayal. Oh, here we go. Let me say something more. Carol has the oldest podcast on sexual addiction and partner betrayal on the internet and has recently started Betrayal Recovery Radio Podcast on blogtalk.com. That is so cool. Carol, you are always moving. I try, Rob. I, you know, this field is always moving. And so I try to stay one step ahead of it. And this book that you've written, I assume, is not necessarily a step ahead, but a step to review stuff that really needs to be done as we surge ahead. Now, I write a lot about partner empathy, and I have a lot of feelings about it because I think it's underrepresented and undersupported. What did you see being needed that was helpful in writing? And I want to say everyone what it is because it's got to help, period, her, period, heal an empathy workbook for sex addicts and their partners to heal. Talk about it. Tell us about it, Carol. Well, you know, one of the things that I realized, especially in working with sex addicts, is that I would begin to help them to understand how to have empathy. And they would look at me like a deer in the headlights and they'd say, I don't understand empathy. I Every time I try to put myself in her place, she slaps me down because she knows that I cannot possibly know how she's feeling. So I decided, you know, we really need some techniques and some formulas to help a sex addict say the right thing that conveys, I'm acknowledging your pain. I acknowledged what you just said there. And on top of it, I want to validate the feelings that I think I see so that I can reassure you that A, I got it, and B, I'm going to be different because of it. And do you think that sex addicts will, or or do you think addicts in general will be able to read it and gain, do you think they'll gain the compassion or do you think they'll more gain the skill sets to act compassionately? And I say that because, you know, I wrote out of the doghouse, which is a different kind of empathy book for men who have cheated. I thought 
Well, am I teaching these men how to act empathically or am I really teaching them what empathy is? And uh, ultimately, I decided it didn't matter and I could talk about that, but I'm curious what you were thinking. Well, in my my own judgment, my clinical judgment, as I as I was watching them learn formulas that they could use with their wives, they got better responses from their wives, which reinforced that they were doing it right and also that it was it was working. Mm-hmm. And see, I work from a premise of, and this is kind of unusual, this is maybe staying a couple steps forward. I work from the premise that he or she, whoever the sex addict is, did the damage. And let's just say that it's a man. He did the damage. And now if he can rebuild or build for the first time, some empathy and really acknowledge everything he's put her through, then he'll be able to help to restore the relationship because she'll be feel a little bit of trust. And when she can begin to build a little bit of that trust back, then she heals and it builds his self-esteem. So it is a cyclic process that actually works to promote self-esteem in both people. Do you think, Carol, that you could help me learn an empathy exercise from your head, from your book? Because I'm not very empathic. I just did what I did and I don't really care. And gee, I just wish you'd stop being so upset about it because, I mean, I realize I hurt you, but gosh, you just keep going on and on and on. And what would be some kind of, or maybe you have a top three or something like that, things that you would suggest I could do to act more empathically? Well, 100%. I would tell you the first thing I would teach you is A-V-R. And that stands for acknowledge the issue, acknowledge whatever she's saying, and then validate her feelings. And so then I want them to identify the five primary feelings and they are anger, sadness, loneliness, fear, and happiness. Well, happiness is probably not going to be part of it in the initial stages after discovery. So they're doing mad, sad, glad, afraid, and lonely. And to do that means that they have to identify what they see on their partner's face, what they feel in her tone of voice and the posturing that she's giving him. You just simply made something very simple. Instead of focusing on trying to convince you that I didn't do it wrong and you shouldn't be angry at me and I'm tired of all this frustration you're acting toward me, all I have to look do is look at you and say, oh, you look angry. I think that's what you're saying. Something as simple as that. Well, that is part two. Yes. That's part two because acknowledging the pain or the issue is the first part. Second part is validating the feelings. And then Rob, here's the third part. And this is the toughest one for addicts. I've done this thousands of times and it takes them a while to get it. Reassuring her means that they have to identify something that they're doing that is forward thinking, that is moving in the right direction, and they have to name it and claim it. And let's face it, when an addict is in the doghouse, as you well know, they don't feel like they have the right, nor have they been given the permission to show a positive change. So, The reason this works as the third step of the formula is because they've already acknowledged what the issue is. They have validated her feeling, and then they reassure her that they're changing, you know, even if it's very, very small, and that begins to build that trust process. So let me get this right, because I'm going to be a just your average partner. 
husband guy. And let me see. So I got to move from, you know, I just really wish you'd get over it and stop being so angry at me. Or I feel really terrible at what I did, but I can't get you to understand what I'm feeling. And, and when I try to, you get upset with me. I need to move from that to something like, I can't imagine the amount of hurt that I caused you by cheating. And I can see how angry you feel about that. And all I can tell you is I'm, I'm going to my meetings and I'm taking a step every day toward making things better with us. That was perfect. Absolutely perfect. <gasps> oh, I get an A. <laughs> That's because I'm a therapist and I listen carefully. I think most people need a lot more practice as they should, because there's a whole bunch of steps in there that you need to learn. And why, why do you think this particular three-step dance of acknowledging the hurt uh, or acknowledging the, the actual source of the pain, acknowledging the feeling I see on my spouse's face or what I see them going through, and then reassuring them that there are things to be encouraged about? Why do you think that particular three-step dance is useful in building empathy? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You know, I am part of a partner-sensitive trauma program, and the number one thing partners want to know is that A, the addict gets their pain and is willing to say, I know that I caused it. So the first of the three steps of this empathy formula is stating that right off the bat. And so that immediately makes her feel better. And that's why it works. Let's break this down a little bit. So that's about who's responsible for what's happening right now. And, and the partner wants to make sure that the person who's responsible remembers that they are responsible and doesn't start casting aspersions about why are you in a bad mood and when are you going to get over this and all that stuff. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing about it is that so oftentimes the trauma dance, if you will, is that situation where he says something to her, she doesn't think he gets it, she attacks him, and then they go back and forth. And we're trying to decrease the addict's defensiveness, and yet it makes sense that that is a normal reaction to being attacked, accused, yelled at. And so this actually interrupts that pattern. You know, it's it's interesting to me because you you really have brought, gotten down to the very moment, not actually the ideas behind, but the moment when someone's in a conflict and trying to break it down. So if you could just take a breath and say, okay, there's three things I need to do. I know what they are. You could actually get through this moment. And that's exciting because I think you're right. I think we can think, uh, I know I can think my apologies. I can look really sad and look like I mean it, but actually thinking about what do I need to do to get you to understand that I really do feel badly about this and I really do know I hurt you, which is the essence of empathy, right? You are teaching empathy. Absolutely. And then I try to give them, well, I try to give him, the addict, some tools to compensate for the fact that she may not always react in a positive way. And, you know, it is so easy to go into that shame cycle. Are you saying this isn't going to, and I'm going to use this in quotes, work? It isn't going to absolutely manufacture a happy, non-angry partner every time I use it? No, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that in my group last night, I had one of the guys say, and I had to use AVR about, about 45 minutes before all of a sudden she calmed down and she said, she burst into tears and she said, you are getting it. You're really getting it. I'm so glad you're getting it. I've never felt like you got it. And, you know, they were three years out of discovery and this poor couple has been struggling back and forth ever since. Do you think, and I'm really asking this because you and I have been doing this work a while, 
Do you think that the betrayed spouse asks, really wants to know if they get, like, what is the meaning of that? I, I have ideas, but why is it so important that you get how much you hurt me, that you really, 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 really get it? As why, What does that mean exactly, do you think? Well, since I personally think out of any trauma that anybody could ever go through, from seeing their buddy blown up in war, to being molested as a child, to being in a horrific accident, or being betrayed by the person that's supposed to have your back. For me, that rate's number one. It is actually more painful than watching your buddy blown up in war. And so that betrayal is so tough and a trauma bond occurs, and that's that trauma dance I was talking about, it, it naturally occurs because it's bad enough to be lied to, but be, to be lied to by the person that sanctimoniously you were supposed to trust the most, it just doesn't allow for her guard to come down and to rebuild the trust naturally. And so the addict has to work really, really hard at this. And I say usually it's going to take about the same amount of time in betrayal trauma that it takes for an addict in good recovery to heal their brain. A couple of years. Yeah, minimum. It may even be, as Patrick Karn says, three to five. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. So, so a couple of things about this. Um, I have so many questions for you. I'm so glad you're doing this. Carol Sheets joining me today. So, well, one question is, and I struggle with this in my own writing, and we I brought it up earlier, which is, if I was married to you, and I thought that you were following a formula to apologize to me, I would think, well, this, he doesn't really mean it. That's something a therapist taught him. And he doesn't usually say this stuff. And now he's saying all the great stuff. And I think this is just something he learned. I have to say, I would be a little suspicious. And, and as a writer, I thought, you know, well, am I teaching these folks how to do something that they really don't feel? And is that really fair? And then I had the same thought you did, which is, well, if they're acting empathically and they get a good response, they're going to continue to act that way because it's reinforcing. And I thought, but but is it? does it ever become real? And I know as a spouse, I'd want to know, gee, this person isn't just mouthing words. I think they really mean it. Now, you will say, I don't know, maybe they do really mean it, but they have no idea how to say it. I would say, I'm not sure that a lot of them really have any idea what empathy is yet, and they really are just mouthing words. So how do we help a spouse understand that that's actually helpful and it's not just an empty promise in a way? What I would say, Rob, is that addicts want, they want empathy in their life and they want to learn it because they know they don't have it. This has been an age-old question for me ever since I got into this work is, did they not have empathy before? So they had a predisposition to addiction, which then decreased any empathy they could have because they're so self-absorbed. 
Or did they have empathy before the addiction occurred and then the addiction robbed them of their empathy? Regardless, what I really know from the men that come into my office is that they are here because they're in pain and they get that their recovery is twofold. It is absolutely 100% their own to figure out what they need to do to stay healthy and to stay sober and to abstain from any kind of sexual acting out. But they also recognize it's relational. And here's the deal, Rob. I had addicts coming into my office, responding to my 10 recovery tools, doing what they needed to, and getting healthy. They got healthy quick. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't have to reinforce the positive behaviors for for months, if not years. But they really got to feeling better quickly, and their wife was still in the fetal position on the floor. And so they'd come in and they'd go, I don't know what to do for her, and everything I do just seems to run her over again and again and again. And so I said, well, bring her in. And then she'd come in, and she was so traumatized. And, you know, she was in that fight, flight, and freeze part of the amygdala, and it was it had shifted her prefrontal cortex, and it went, went offline, and she couldn't function. And so I found that my work was not just onefold. It wasn't just teaching an addict how to have empathy, but it was also teaching her how to get grounded and resourced, teaching them really basic early recovery skills like reflective listening and mirroring and then AVR and other empathy statements, you know, trigger bustering, you know, so that he could help her when he saw her triggers. And when that whole dance is going on and they are dancing for hours in a positive way, he is exactly what she wants. Because if you remember, Rob, I said, A, a partner wants to know that the addict gets her pain and that he caused it. But B, my experience is partners typically want to stay in the relationship. Oh, yes, they don't want to shake it up. Yeah, they don't want to leave their home. They don't want to split everything up. They don't want to disrupt their families. And so if they can begin to rebuild the vulnerability of trusting him again, it's a win-win for both of them. You know, I, I have always thought that two things. One, what you just said that, you know, in partner, when I have a spouse, male or female, who's going through cell phone bills and hiring detectives and doing stocking and check, you know, I always thought, well, that's not what you do when you want to break up with someone. That's what you do when you want to stay with them. That's what you do when you're trying to prove that it isn't as bad as you thought, or this is the, you know, that you're trying to find the, the bottom so that you can stay, not so you can go, unless you're, of course, looking for stuff for a divorce lawyer, which is a whole different story, but hopefully not. And the other piece you talk about, I really, yeah, I'm kind of sort of touched by, which is that, you know, I, I probably more want to believe that this person does love me and is doing the best they can to connect with me. And, you know, everything I listen to you saying, I keep thinking of, you know, I, I have a fantasy in my head that you're really kind of teaching children how to get along and how to appreciate each other and how to play. And in a way, you know, you kind of are because when a spouse is so wounded and hurt and angry, they are in a, in a, in a younger state. They're in a much more primitive state. They are kind of more acting like a young person who's reactive and not thought out the world like an older person. And of course, addicts are not exactly well emotionally trained. So it does sound like, you know, when you talk about your mirroring and you're, you're teaching people how to love each other on some very basic level and not just how to feel the feeling of love, but to tolerate the difficulties that love brings. 
It's interesting you said that because you know what else I'm teaching and you're talking about children and teaching them how to play. I feel like I'm teaching a parenting course in a way. I'm teaching parents how to work with their kids and there are plenty of formulas for that. And that is not artificial. Parents need that so they can be really, really, really consistent. Because we know, yeah, we know, and you stole that right out of my mouth. Systematic, effective parenting is the most basic parenting there is, and yet it's filled with formulas that helps a parent to effectively commit to doing the right steps every single time. Yes, but I I think my point is, and I really want you to hear this, Carol, is that, you know, you work with enough spouses, they'll say things like, I don't want him to say the right words. I want to know that he means it. I want to know because, you know, they're not just into the, they want to get underneath that. And I want to make sure that this isn't just, you know, they, they say that kind of stuff. I understand that that is part of their trauma because you can say, well, you're hearing the words, you're seeing the emotion, what's missing for you? Well, I don't trust him yet. He can say those things all day long, but I don't trust him yet. And as you said, I think I'm working this through here. It could take a long time. You don't just say that one time and your partner says, oh, I get it. He or she understands my pain. You have to do this a lot. You have to do it a lot as well as we may have different clients or maybe we have different styles because you know what? I do work with the partners and I do the early couples recovery work and I don't hear partners saying, oh, these are just words and I don't buy it. I hear partners saying, this is what I want him to do. Mm. And I just hope that he can keep doing this and stay in good recovery because then the fear becomes... Not that he can't do the relational work, but that he could slip or relapse again. And so, you know, we just go back and forth with that. She has every right to want safety. And that's what you were talking about. I mean, Barbara Steffen said it best when she said partners are trying to find safety in an unsafe situation. And we want to make this safe. And that's why I also teach addicts how to be containers for the emotions that their partners are experiencing. And that's a, that is a tough formula in and of itself, Rob. I've got, I've got this thing called the seven principles of conflict after betrayal. And it really is a way of teaching him to have Teflon. So when she doesn't relate well, he cannot take it personally, go into shame, walk out the door, tell him he, tell her he gives up. He can hang hang in there, continue to reassure her and remind himself she's responding to the old addict in him. She's not responding to the new and improved. And you are teaching parenting for sure. You're teaching people how to be tolerant with each other, how to listen to each other, how to explore their feelings and support. You you know, it's interesting. I I asked you the question earlier about um, why do partners want to know that you absolutely without question understand how much pain I've been in. And I do have a thought about it uh, myself, which is I think that a partner on some level is saying, if you know how much pain you've caused me, if you really, really, really get it, then you won't do it again. That you will know what I've been through and you will never want to put anyone through this again. And I can't imagine that there isn't a little piece of that, that, you know, almost a relief that if you get what I feel, it might keep you from doing it again. What do you think about that? I think you're spot on and that's exactly right. Oh, thank you, Carol. <laughs> it wasn't, it's just. I can't say it any better than you did, Rob. That was perfect. But you know what, Rob? Men need this in so many different forms. I've got an empathy group for men. 
that men are participating in empathy with each other and then they're practicing and they're role playing and they're doing nothing but partner sensitive treatment. So I've got that group going. And of course, I've written this book. I'm creating an online course for a man who hates to read and really wants to get the information. You know, there are just some people that are visual learners. And so we know the online course will be better. Tell us again, Carol, the name of your book. I want everyone to hear that. Yeah, the name of the book is Help, Period, Her, Period, Heal, an empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. So that's something that the that the addict is going to read and buy, and the addict is going to work on themselves. Is that right? Yes and no. Or is it more something that both members of the couple might look at? I have to tell you, I, and I knew this from the get-go because I know partners. <laughs> Typically, the addict buys it or the partner buys it for her husband. And after that, they both read it, even though he is directed to read it. It's optional for her. She kind of wants to know what's he learning. And then um, they are able to use it together. You know, when I'm in my first chapter, I ask, are you willing? Are you willing to do what it takes to make her feel safe? And so he has to write out 25 reasons he's willing. And he'll get to 18 and then you know, he won't be able to think of any others. And I say, well, then go ask your wife. Ask your wife what she'd like to see in the willingness quotient of your behavior. And so they get to kind of work on it together. Same thing with needs. What are her needs? He gets lost. He can come up with six or seven. He can't come up with 20. So he goes to her and says, hey, honey, what are your needs? Carol wants to know this so that I can do better. So if you've written something for someone who has caused betrayal and they're trying to work through it and they might share it with their partner, is it also something a therapist would pick up and look at? Well, you know, what I know is that people have not really been exposed to partner-sensitive trauma treatment. And so I feel that it's absolutely my responsibility as I'm training clinicians and coaches all over the world, it's also my responsibility to get to those people that may not even know anything about a compulsive sexual problematic behavior. And so what I'm really working on is accessing an opportunity for them to learn this. So in the back of the book, I actually have a format for our clients, other therapists. You know, I I don't see everybody. So, you know, they get to tear it out and give it to their therapist and say, this is what I'm learning. So that that clinician will be exposed, right, to the information And then the other thing, Rob, is that I've got clinicians using this now. It's been out for eight weeks. I've got clinicians that are using it. They're saying, what a difference this is making. This was what I needed to be able to give him or her. And um, they're starting to use it in treatment centers, too, as part of their curriculum. So I'm feeling really good about this basic book. Well, you know, I've put in my order because I've got a very busy clinic with a bunch of clients who need it. And I this relates to a question, Carol, that I, I get a lot when I'm doing online work. And by the way, I wonder if you'd be willing to go on sexandrelationshiphealing.com and do like a little webinar about this with me or with Tammy or someone like that so we could hear and people can refer to where to get the book, what the book's about, some basic ideas about how to support each other in this way. I think that would be really great. I would love that. Absolutely love that. 
so they can see you and they can hear you and they can get to know you a little bit because I think that you know your eyes your ideas and the work that you do is is available to people all over the country. In fact, why don't you tell us how people can find you and how they can get a hold of your work and all of that kind of stuff? Well, you know, I have two websites. My website for sex addiction and partner betrayal is www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach. And then I have a website for actualizing your potential. And once you have gotten your recovery down and the relationship is back on track, they can just go to carolthecoach.com. But perhaps what I'm most excited about is that I have over a thousand blogs that I've written and they can access that, either one of those websites. And then I have, I think, 150 YouTube videos that are anywhere from six to 12 minutes long so that they can kind of get some of this information in bullet point factors. And I think you have a podcast too. Am I correct about that? I think I've been on it. Uh, uh, One that you have, how many shows do you have now? Hundreds, I would think. Yes, I've got the oldest running podcast, so I do believe I've got over 600 podcasts from Sex Help with Carol the Coach. That's on Blog Talk Radio, and you can get that through iTunes and Apple and Stitcher. And then I have a new Betrayal Recovery Radio show that I sponsor for AppSats because I know that partners want something specifically for them. I I don't know if you're the hardest working person in the therapy business, but you certainly run a close second or third to some of us. (laughs) And I just thank you so much, not because of the work you do individually, but, and folks, I want you to hear that, that those of us who take the time to write books, not always the most fun thing to do podcasts, to do blogs. We do this so that each one of you, not just those of you come to see us, not those of you who might grab, uh, catch something that we've written and pay for it, but that we are trying to give you every opportunity to heal at every level, whether you can afford it or not, whether you have access to us or not individually. And, you know, Carol, you've got it. You get it. And I am just so grateful to have you in our world. Oh, well, thank you very much. And you know, I am grateful to have you as well. Certainly your newest creation with Prodependence is changing the world. And so you keep at it and figure out how I can help you because I endorse it 100%. You already do with the work and the sound of your voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Carol, the coach, don't miss her radio show, her podcast, her blogs. This woman is one of the hardest working women in my field. And boy, does she know her work. Thank you so much, Carol. Have a great morning. We will talk soon. All right, Rob. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our treatment center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care. 